Hey guys, this is Coach Kita Bussey with 180 Firearms Training with Grant Chancellor Madison from South Africa and Mike Seifert from New Jersey, our PCC shooter. Today, we are going to talk about something that might bore some of you, match math. However, you will be very excited about who we're talking about it with, Christian Seiler. Welcome to the 180 Firearms Training Podcast. Do, 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 do. Edit that out. Christian, welcome to the show. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and why people should care. <laughs> uh, great. Well, thank you so much for the introduction. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so like, like you said, my name is Christian Seiler. I'm from Bellevue, Washington, just outside of Seattle. Uh, I've been shooting competitions since I was 13, 14 and had a bit of success in the past couple of years. Uh, won the past three USPSA Open Nationals, and I'm um, on the U.S. national team uh, headed to the World Shoot whenever it happens, 2020, 2021, 2022, whenever we have it, <laughs> and uh, so I've had a bit of success in the Open Division, and uh, yeah, so I've learned, learned a few things, and uh, yeah, everything's been going pretty well. That's slightly yeah. humble, slightly humble. Yeah, that's very humble. <laughs> a, bit, a bit of success, aka domination of the division, yes. So well, yeah, you're, you're the first shooter after Max Michelle to win every single area national area championship and then the nationals all in one go. So yeah, how, yeah. how old are you? How old are you? Uh, so I just turned 21. That was uh, in when I was 19 in 2019. I shot all the area matches. So Max was the first to ever win all the area matches. But uh, so it was my goal to win all the area matches and then the nationals, which was a cool year. So. Uh, I really enjoyed that. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, definitely had to be very consistent at all the matches. And uh, that was kind of like the training grounds for my approach and everything. And uh, I just wish I knew more of the skills and techniques that I know now and could go back to 2019 and maybe uh, sweat a little bit less uh, in the last couple stages, a lot of those matches. But uh, that was a good year for sure. Well, how long, how long have you been shooting? So you're 21 now. How long have you been in the game? Uh, so since, since 2013, so I shot like my first match when I was 13 and then, you know, a couple when I was 14, but really didn't start picking off, uh, like taking off until I was 15, 16. Um, so I've been shooting, I guess, I guess seven years to 20 and then one more, so like probably seven or eight seasons, like you know, pretty good seasons. Yeah. And how do you, how do you, how do you get to the level that you're at for our average viewer out there? I mean, did you take classes? Did you, uh, train on your own or like, how did, how did you go about your process yeah. to get to where you are now? So totally. So as far as getting there, that's, that's a big, big picture, but as far as just the training stuff. So when I was 13, 14, did everything on my own, uh, didn't ever really practice. Uh, you maybe went to the indoor range and a lane and shot a little bit. It wasn't until I was 15, 16, where a local group who trains indoors in an action bay invited me called down zero. And there, there was a couple grandmaster shooters and just experienced shooters in general. And so I trained with them for probably three years. It wasn't necessarily always like very structured training. Every once in a while, we, you know, maybe, once or twice a month, one of the guys would say, hey, we're leading this guided practice. But for the most part, it was just shooting stages and having a good time. So that's when I started to actually practice. And so during that time, uh, two of my, my coaches, Zach Campbell and Andrew Hong, uh, they're no longer shooting as much, but uh, they put a really big role in, in like, hey, use this gun, do this. Here's how you're going to train. Here's how you do this. And so they kind of were really influential early on. And then when I was probably, you know, 17, 18, uh, we're probably at the end of 16, going to 17. Uh, I started doing all my own practice and training, showing up to down zero practice. They're primarily IDPA group, but they did a lot of USPSA. Uh, but then I started doing my own practice sessions. We got a membership at a place. We'd go use the bay every once in a while. And that's when I started training with my dad. And so I didn't really know much then, but I just gathered all the information I possibly could online. Um, I asked a lot of questions consistently. Maybe I didn't listen as much as I uh, thought I was listening. Uh, that's become apparent to me in the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, practiced a bunch and started shooting a little bit. Uh, started ramp ramping out the round count. Probably shot 
10,000 rounds up until I was like 16. And I started shooting like 15, 20. And uh, that's when I shot my first nationals in 2018 and placed third. And um, the kind of 17 to 18, throughout 18, made a huge, a lot of huge developments and, and learned a lot of cool things that helped me develop. Um, but didn't really take any training classes for anyone specific because I had kind of mentorship and guidance at home. And that was mainly like me asking questions and them trying to teach me things. Uh, my ears are a lot more open now than they were, I guess, when I was younger. It wasn't, wasn't taking it seriously either. Um, but uh, I took a, the MGM Junior Camp, kind of like a class camp thing. And so there were some cool instructors there. I know Max Michelle was there. Uh, Steve Schrauf was there. Uh, and so that was a really good time. Um, but as far as getting really good, it's consistent effort over time, consistent uh, work over time. Uh, and and that, that's going to get you very far. Like consistently working at something over time is going to get you very far. And the real separator is like having a, a deeper level of understanding and knowing exactly what to do. And I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but I'm at a point now where I still have a lot of stuff to learn. I always want to grow. And I think when you stop learning and growing, that's when you start to lose, start to have problems. But I'm at a point now where I know enough where I know exactly what to practice, how to practice and how I need to get better, which is a pretty powerful thing when you know exactly what you need to do. And more importantly, what you need to do to get to the next level, which is what I'm struggling, not struggling with, but, uh, you know, consistently showing up to the range, getting better at. So, uh, that's something we should talk about is, uh, kind of understanding of stuff and. But, yeah. So. Well, I, I kind of got a question on that. So like when you're out practicing, do you, um, like, like in your by yourself per se, or you're at a local match and you're with guys, I mean, are you always thinking about like what that would be on the national level? So like, I know that I just crushed this stage and I'm winning on my, on my local match, but it doesn't really matter because I know if this was nationals, I would have just got smoked on that stage. So like, 100%. How, like, yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's sometimes disappointing, actually, because um, I, I talked to someone about this the other day. It's kind of disappointing now because I hold myself to such a high standard, which you have to do if you want to get better. But sometimes you kind of disappointed because I'll be at a low. It's, it's hard at a local match to be like this match. I'm a picture as nationals. Like you can't you can't really simulate that. You can envision it as much as possible. But it's never going to be the same. Um, but yeah, sometimes I'm disappointed where, you know, I'll be sloppy in a position or something, but there's not enough trained eyes there to kind of see and identify that. So they're like, Oh my gosh, that was a great run. And I'm just like, that was a terrible run because of this, 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 this. And so not only is it, you know, myself disappointing because I knew I could do better, but, uh, it also kind of leaves a bad feeling, feeling, uh, you know, shooting it. But, uh, that's, uh, one of the things I've kind of had to live with is kind of never being okay. Uh, never feeling like anything was perfect, but Every once in a while, I'll have a really good stage that will feel really good. I'm happy with that. Uh, and then I'll probably watch it a day later and, and think my draw was bad or something. But <laughs> right. Definitely. There's always something. Mm -hmm. well, let's get into match math a little bit here. Yep. I have this formula that I've been working on for years and testing on people. And when I first heard about you and saw your videos and how you were placing, I was really impressed by your ability to ride that 100% line without crossing it and really push your skill level without letting the wheels fall off, but without dialing it back too far, you just had a really good balance. So in talking to you, I found that you were also very good at math. <laughs> so you were the perfect person for me to do my final assessment on before publishing this formula. It's on finding your 100% dialing it back versus amping, amping it up. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, I have this little workbook here. You have to be able to predict your hit factor and also predict what it would be at 100% of your ability. Right. And in order to do that, <clears throat> we identified these potential traps. 
potential time traps. So if you're shooting at 100%, you have this, what I call a deviation, an acceptable deviation. So you have to actually figure out what deviation you're allowed to still be at 100%. Mm -hmm. You're gonna lose a 10th of a second here and there if you're really pushing that hard because right. little mistakes are gonna happen. So then we want to take our acceptable deviation and find that percentage so that we can track progress. So not everyone is at your level mm -hmm. and this might be over the heads of a lot of people and might actually cause issues. If you start doing this too soon and you're not ready for it yet, it's, yep. it's kind of a tricky spot to be in. Right, so if absolutely. you're not quite there yet, you can use that acceptable deviation and then track your percentage. You want to see it, that deviation getting smaller and smaller and smaller, which means your mistakes are getting smaller over time. So what mm. do you have to say about all that. Yes. <laughs> that that's, was that's a mouthful. You know, I, I love it. I love it. I, I like where you're going with this. So I haven't really obviously gone through the formula or like tests or anything like that, mm -hmm. but I kind of talked through kind of how I think of things like this. So, um, and I've actually kind of had some recent um, kind of stuff with uh, situational training, talking with Rob Epifania. He came here and trained with Wansik and had some, uh, some good stuff we're, we're working on. But, um, but basically how I always thought of it as uh, if I go into a match, I want to be, you know, shoot 95% of the points on every single stage for overall consistency. And if I can shoot, you know, 95% of the match uh, winner, I can do that consistently on every single stage. And so for me on every single stage, I have a pretty good uh, sense of how to control uh, both my movement and then also like my shooting. And so with that, with, for, as far as my movement stuff goes, I very choreographed moves. I don't try to freestyle anything. So it's very controlled because I know exactly what my moves are going to be, how I'm going to you know enter and exit different positions, how I'm going to shoot in and out of positions, how I'm going to blend different positions, where I'm going to shoot on the move. And so that's pretty controlled. So I don't find really that much deviation in my uh, movement when I just shoot at baseline. Obviously, when I'm pushing or when I'm staying more controlled, uh, I don't really change. I, I, I change much with it. I, I do change quite a bit with it obviously not when I'm more controlled, uh, but as far as the shooting stuff goes, I've trained myself to only pull the trigger when my sights tell me alpha. And that's something I've been really, really disciplined on. And so I think that's been a real key to, to my success. Um, just being able to say, Hey, I'm gonna go shoot my default, just get locked in and shoot. It's going to be controlled. And when I just go there and I shoot my default locked in, just normal shooting, just baseline default run, I'm not going to have misses. I'm not going to you know, fall out of position, not going to do anything crazy. And that's just because I have choreographed moves. I know the exact intensity and how I'm going to move and, and do different things. And then as far as uh, shooting the gun, I shoot at sights pace every single time. I know what an acceptable sight picture is on different targets. And I've pre uh, decided that before the stage, right? I'm not going in there and potentially adding risk as the stage goes on, deciding where I'm aiming on a no shoot target or something like that. So I feel like that's where my, my, my baseline always is. Um, as far as training and then in a match goes, as far as pushing, so there's either a, uh, trying to rob talked about as up five down five I always thought about it as behind or you know in the lead and so as far as in a match goes um i've kind of struggled with this when i have three or four stages left in the match and i'm up by like 60 points i got 20 i think it's 29 or 2020 nationals up by like 60 points with probably four or five stages left and i tried going uh to like like below my, what my ability was to like play it safe but i actually wasn't thinking about risk in the right uh, the right terms and so um, I was trying to like slow everything down, be more controlled. What I really should have done is I should have, you know, kept with the, the pre-planned moves and everything. Don't try to do any aggressive exits, no soft exits any, or, or entrances, just 
hard entrances, hard exits, uh, and really making sure that I'm confirming a good, clear site picture, a higher level of confirmation on seal and stuff. But instead, what I did at that time was I, I got way more conscious. I got way more thinking about everything, and I should have just ran my default. I truly believe if I run my default on all the stages, I, I would have keep bumping that lead up from 60 points, maybe 80 to hundred points. Right. But unfortunately 2020 was, uh, it was very clear that when I said I have a 60 point lead, I changed things and I didn't shoot better that way. And it wasn't because I felt pressure like, Oh, I got this lead to keep. It was, I just got to be like, you know, nice and consistent. With it, consistent with it. And what I'm realizing more now is my consistent is just my normal. And so I don't really like the up five uh, per se, but I'm working on how I can do that. Add extra levels of confirmation. Don't take different risks. Uh, you don't need to uh, maybe emphasize a better grip on the draw than speed, things like that. Um, but the biggest gains that I've done is with when I'm down by five points, when I'm chasing. And so to be completely honest, I've never, there's only, there's only a handful of times I've ever been behind where I've pushed. One good example is at area eight. Um, I had a couple malfunctions on the past couple stages, like really bad ones, lost a few seconds. And all of a sudden I found myself down by, I think uh, roughly like 10 points or something in the last stage. The last stage is a real tiny course of fire. There's an unloaded start. You, you had two paper on the left in the middle position. You had two papers, some far steel and some tuxes, and then right side, again, some, um, some more far paper. And so I just absolutely hammered it. I said, I'm going to accept a low level of confirmation. I'm going to grip the gun hard, have a nice, consistent, uh, you know, good fundamentals per usual and hammered it. And, and I shot, you know, everyone was like 80% of me on that stage. And uh, it wasn't like an out-of-body experience, but it was clearly not something I could do 10 out of 10 times. Uh, you know, maybe it could have been actually, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see with that. But basically, I learned how to push and I unlocked a new level that wasn't, you know, didn't know could really happen. And uh, in my training, I've tried kind of pushing the pace, but I was always pushing the pace in areas that didn't make sense, like the shooting. It wasn't until I did like situational training with Rob and started practicing more stages and pushing that I realized you can, when you're pushing, you don't need to push it in the shooting, you know, keep the active time the same, keep the confirmation levels the same, but maybe, uh, you know, shoot into position more, maybe shoot more aggressively on the move. Um, stuff like that has definitely uh, been cool to play around with. So uh, that was definitely a lot, but uh, those are some yeah. of my thoughts on, on that stuff. <laughs> Okay, so what you're saying is if you want to save time, don't necessarily try and shoot the gun faster, shoot I the agree. gun sooner, shoot yeah, the gun later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so minimizing the dead time, uh, which is exactly what you said, right? Like, you know, shooting earlier, uh, things like that. Like when you try to shoot faster, that's when you increase the risk uh, and the potential, I guess that is risk and a potential of messing up and having problems. And so it was pretty cool in North Carolina. Uh, and where was the first time I did situational training? Uh, I think it was in, in California or North Carolina, but anyways, I set up the stage and had a few elements like coming into position hard, uh, had two little bar mini steel and then the shooting on the move. I think I shot the first run in like 16 seconds down four. And then the next run was, I think 17 seconds when I was up by five and like more Charlie's for some reason, which is stupid. And then, and I was down by five and I took like two or three seconds off my time. And I was like, wow, I could do that. And what's funny is I could probably actually do that 10 times out of 10. So it wasn't even truly pushing. And so that can kind of help unlock a level you weren't necessarily sure that you had. Now, when we talked before about, you were talking about how you're just shooting to your sights and doing what you know you can do. We had a conversation while I was working on my book smart vision training kit mm -hmm. about the side, the area that you aim at and yeah. something you said just made my brain itch. <laughs> and <laughs> is that a bad here's or a what good it was. Thing? I'm not familiar with the expression. Is that a bad or a good thing? It, it made, made me think? think. 
Okay, it made me think. So Mm -hmm. I had to do more digging and more research. And here's Mm -hmm. what I found. Yep. So what I asked you was, what area on a target do you aim at? And it was something like this. If you're on the audio only, it's a circle, a black outline circle on the A zone of a target. That's the area most people shooting nine millimeter would aim at. Mm -hmm. What you said that made my brain itch is that you shoot at the same area, whether you're shooting major or minor, where Mm -hmm. most people would broaden that area a little bit more if they're shooting major because they can afford to drop points here and there because they gain speed, give Mm -hmm. up a little bit of accuracy for speed. So Alpha Alpha Charlie is still 90, you know, that's still nine out of 10. So I'd say that's pretty good. So what I found that's really interesting and talking to you actually led me to this conclusion is you're not aiming at this circle to tell you where to aim. You're aiming at it, telling you when to aim. When is the soonest I can take that shot? So everybody has the same size focal point. So I have these training circles. That circle in the middle is the size of a four MOA dot. So at five yards, everybody's focal point is the same size. If let's say everyone has 20-20 vision, your focal point is gonna be the same size for everyone. So the less experienced shooters have multiple focal points all over the place, but guys like you are like mutants where you have one, maybe two focal points because what you're doing differently is your eyes get to the edge of the circle and it says, okay, that's the soonest I can shoot. That's a confirmed alpha. Mm -hmm. And then you go into recoil, come back down, hit the edge of that circle. This is when. I can shoot. So it's not where it's when is the soonest I can shoot. And it's as soon as you get to that outline. Yeah. That's why your spot is the same because everybody's focal point is the same size. You just have less of them. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Sorry. My, somehow I have my text on my computer. So you're getting texts. I turned that off. So (laughs) I listened a lot to the last part there. Hopefully also hear the little cat meowing a little kitty downstairs. That's a uh, just better though she should be fine but anyways uh no i love that that's great i mean as far as the gun returning the same spot i mean i try to look at pick a pick a spot and have the gun return to the same spot every single time and so as far as when to shoot that's that's exactly right i mean you you have to pick a spot where okay the gun's lifting recoil wait 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 and as soon as the gun meets exactly what you're looking at that acceptable you know zone that little circle we're talking about uh, then you pull the trigger so yeah i like that a lot um i mean one of the things i also realized is my acceptable zone like is that circle inside the alpha like i want to have a really tight zone that's acceptable for me to pull the trigger and uh a lot of people uh i learned this from saul kirsch actually i, I just you know skyped another day talking uh, techniques and just things going on uh even pretty pretty big he- uh, help with that sort of stuff uh, the thing is, is if you pick the alpha as an objective standard, it's very easy to quantify a lot of your training and it's very easy to hold yourself to that standard, but anything outside of an alpha is a miss. I think a lot of the times people are like, oh, a Charlie's like totally mm-hmm. fine, but you have to hold yourself to a very high standard of saying anything outside of the alpha is a miss. Um, because like for me, yeah, something like that, right? Just the That's alpha. why I made these targets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anything outside the alpha is a miss. That is not the intended zone. Like we're shooting for alphas all the time. I mean, unless it's like a very high risk partial and you say, hey, we're be okay with Charlie's and we pre-plan them. Anytime it's a Charlie, it's, it didn't hit the you know acceptable zone of fire for me. Obviously there's some hit factor considerations to talk about, but for me, if I only accept alpha as an acceptable zone of fire, 
let's say I have a physical fundamental problem and my grip drives the gun off the target, which I don't think we're talking too much about fundamentals, but I have an interesting kind of take on that a little bit. But as far as the physical fundamentals, where we hold the gun, the way we stand, the way we pull the trigger, um, you know, if I drive the gun off target for one of many reasons, uh, I'm going to be shooting Charlie's and maybe a Delta if it's egregiously bad. Okay. If I shot, a, if I called the Delta where I drove it off, I'd probably shoot another one. But even if you just barely miss, you're shooting Charlie's. But if you accept Alpha Charlie as, as acceptable zone of fire and you pull the trigger in the Charlie and you have that same deviation in your grip that drives a gun off target, then they're deltas and they're mics. And so mm-hmm. for me, for consistency uh, and for points and just math sake, uh, it, but mainly consistency, it's only alphas, it's only the center of the alpha. Because when I do miss, it's an alpha or a close Charlie, uh, which is all right, uh, you know, depending on the circumstances. But for me, I only really accept Charlie's when it's going to get me something and it's going to make the mathematical sense to do so. Driving out of position, helping me get into position better, uh, things like that are considerations uh, or saving me a bunch of time or like an extra swinger pass, right? Like if I could take, you know, two Charlie on a swinger pass and it takes, you know, second, second and a half to come back, I'm not taking a third. I'm not waiting for it. Um, right. But no, I like that. As far as the acceptable accuracy goes, I, I completely changed this and it's helped my accuracy a bunch. And it's been a, uh, a key part of the math equation of the hit factor math to get good scores and make a lot of the decisions that I make. But uh, yeah, I, I alpha is a, is a, is a, you know, is a, is a hit is a, is a good shot. Any outside the alpha is a miss. What, a if, game what, if you're, what if you're shooting irons though? So, I mean, that's easy to, you know, to say that you're not going to shoot until you get inside that small circle inside the alpha zone when you got a dot, but like, <clears throat> What if you have iron sights? Because, I mean, obviously any little flick of the wrist or anything like mm-hmm. that, you're not in that circle anymore. So does mm-hmm. your circle open up when you're shooting like a limited gun or something like that? Or No, I, it, it stays the same. And one of the cool things about that with the iron sights is like, uh, yes, it's, it's going to be slightly harder with iron sights, maybe uh, slightly harder with a production gun versus, you know, uh, like an open gun, right? It's going to be harder. Uh, but I think, one, I don't think it changes because of the math and just how the sport's played. And then two, I think, holding yourself to a higher standard always is only going to make you better. Like I remember when I first shot the uh, production gun after shooting my open gun and I wasn't as good with it because I hadn't shot irons in a while. And I was like, well, maybe this is okay because I'm shooting irons. And I'm like, there's no way this is okay. Like you have to like hold yourself to a higher and higher standard. And then eventually like I, when you get into a match, sometimes you just, you just don't shoot as well as maybe you, your, your potential is. And so if you're kind of just like barely getting shots on in practice, they're gonna be all over the place in a match. So I want to be able to take whatever gun I'm shooting and just drive out the center of the A fast and efficient in practice, because things will happen in matches and you want to have the tools, knowledge, and ability, just mainly ability to be able to do that consistently. So I think it's the same with all divisions and all guns. You should be able to, you know, draw out the alphas with a high rate of speed. Yeah. So if you guys are on the audio rip, these are A-zone only targets. They're available at gofastdontsuck.net on the LookSmart Vision Training Dry Fire Kit. And something else I wanted to show you, Christian, and get your feedback Mm -hmm. on this. I created this drill where you only have the available target and you're basically removing the no-shoot or hardcover. Yeah, What do you think about that? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't use like, I don't, I don't use like different weird products. Like I, I say, I'm pretty boring when it comes to that sort yeah. of stuff. Like it's kind of funny. Everyone's always asking me for like cool drills and stuff. And it's like, 
dude, you don't need any cool drills. You got to learn how to cook. Right. I mean, if you give someone a recipe, it's like, oh, you can follow the recipe. Like everyone's like, when, when are you coming out with your drill book? And honestly, I'd have no problem coming out with a drill book because a drill book is good. You can follow it. Like for people that don't know how to cook yet, you can follow a recipe and get better, right? That's totally fine. But maybe I'll come out with a drill book. So, you know, no one, no one hate on me if I do that. But uh, I mean, I think learning how to cook is much better. Like um, this morning I was, I was doing a, a zoom lesson, which I don't do very many zoom lessons, but I do it for, you know, specific people. And, uh, he's like, okay, so how am I shooting this drill? I'm like, I'm not going to tell you, I'm gonna tell you what you're going to be focusing on. And you're going to set up a drill that you think is going to be suitable for it. But, right. um, yeah, I, I don't really know too much about that target specifically. Uh, people are always saying, Hey, what do you think of this? And it's like, I don't really know. I haven't really tested it, but, uh, I'll be open well, to trying it. Mm-hmm. What I will say is you don't need that target. Right. This target is for, so when we're with our visual input, we're able to filter out things that we don't want to be looking at. So if you're in a crowd of people and I say, pick out all the people wearing red, you're automatically going to filter out any visual input you don't need and only see the red. So what we do is for especially newer shooters, they look right at the no shoot. And that's what you want to be visually filtering out. So this is basically training your eye to look for your target and filter out everything else I like that. and you don't need this obviously. okay that makes sense okay I like that <laughs> that that made perfect explanation so yes I do I do like exactly where you're going with that um two things before I forget one I'm really good at going off topic and covering things and not potentially <laughs> asking the question so let me know if you want me to cover something if I miss something and the second thing you said something really cool there I liked um uh, we're really good at picking up something like a no shoot like people come in I've seen people shoot no shoots like straight in the center right because that's what mm-hmm. their eyes pick up so that's uh, one of the things that you want to is- Oh yeah. Is there. <laughs> so basically what you want to do is like when you're going through a force of fire, picking <clears throat> out exactly where you're going to aim ahead of time. So you're not like one making decisions and two, not necessarily picking the spot that you want. So like, I'll go ahead like there's neck shots or like head shots or something. I'll pre-plan also depending on the hit factor and you know, other things where I'm going to aim on it, but also just in normal open targets. I did a cool, cool thing. Um, probably it was late, late September after a bunch of classes, I took, three targets out there and in two different practice sessions like it's pretty hard to be scientific with some of this stuff because you can warm up you you know get accustomed to the stage and everything but i did it a bunch of times with just showing up and shooting bang 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 after warming up three targets without doing any preparation then the next time i looked center 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 so the center of each target and i shot much faster and much more uh or much better point so it's cool so where you if you pick the center of the target more and more uh, you know more times and run through it more the gun's going to go to that spot uh, more frequently, which is cool. Yes. So Grant, you had a question about major versus minor. Yes. The hot topic in everyone like IPSC um, standard division, major versus minor. Now I kind of fall on the, the, my view of it is if you shoot minor, you need to be shooting perfection throughout the match. You wow. cannot shoot the Charlies. You can't shoot the Deltas because then you're already behind the curve and everyone's kind of shooting the same time as you. If you're shooting major, you kind of get that little bit of leeway and being a little bit um, sloppier on some of the positions and gaining a bit of time. So what do you think of the whole major versus minor? Well, you guys shoot limited, but the major versus minor in standard limited kind of thing. Yeah, totally. So it's actually pretty funny that I never even thought this would be like a, like a thought, like here in the U S like everyone's like, you have to shoot major. Like you have to shoot major. What's funny about that is that the hit factors are so high. Um, 
So the points may not necessarily matter as much. Where in IPSC, the hit factors are lower. Something that I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of IPSC in general because of the difficulty and the format of the match. But anyways, you're you're exactly right with the major stuff. Uh, you know, you get a lot more leeway. You can do a lot more cool things. I mean, one of the reasons why I shot open is that it would, you know, I'd be able to develop all these cool movement things, shooting in and out of positions, blending different positions. And when you do that stuff, you do increase the risk of shooting Charlie's, which would be a problem if you're shooting a minor gun. So if you look at how someone shoots a production match anywhere versus limited, the production guys are going to shoot 10, shoot their alphas and ensure they got alphas, maybe not shoot on the move and then move to the next position. But the problem with minor is if, is if you do things like shooting on the move and all of a sudden you shoot one Charlie, it's like, wow, why did I even do that? Why did I even increase the risk? Why did I even try to do that? Because I just negated all of it with the one Charlie I shot. So you're very limited with the movement stuff that you're allowed to do when you have to shoot alphas. Some of the movement stuff, you can kind of outrun those Charlies, but it's very difficult and then decreases the consistency of the times that you can do it. So with production, you see guys shooting their alphas, going to the next position. With major though, you can shoot on the move, drop a Charlie here and there, and it's going to hurt. Anytime you shoot Charlie, it's going to hurt, but it's not going to hurt as much. And you can actually gain by doing utilizing different movement techniques um, to, to then increase your hit factor. Um, so yeah, I, as far as shooting a major gun versus shooting a minor gun, I, I mean, I have... 2011s that are nine and 40 shooting back to back there's much more jolt much more things going on in front of your face like for the open gun boom a lot of stuff going on kind of block that out when you shoot the gun enough but that's going to decrease how fast your eyes can interpret information kind of create sort of a fog with just the sheer jolt of the gun as far as also wear and tear on the hands it's a lot harder you're gonna have to if you don't grip the gun as well or you don't have a good grip, the 40 gun is going to absolutely abuse you comparatively to a nine millimeter. So the nine millimeter gun is significantly easier to shoot, but I don't think the difference is as much to, um, for me to say, I want to shoot nine millimeter standard or, or limited or whatever. Um, I will say major gets a lot better when the match is hard because you have more opportunities to trade Charlie's for time. So like one of my biggest frustrations at this, uh, low cap nationals which i shot l10 because i don't have a production setup now i do or basically sort of didn't have a production setup and i didn't have a single sack setup now i have that so i probably won't shoot l10 again there's also just like an intro iron sight division i could get into um but i, I wish i would have beaten everyone by a lot more points because i should be in the production guys by more but the problem was is that the targets were so easy and there weren't enough spaces to use certain movement techniques that would then be able to trade Charlie's for, for time that, you know, the, the match difficulty wasn't set up where major was going to be a huge advantage. Where at most hard challenging matches, shooting major is going to be the, the best thing. But if I had a stage with, you know, 10 targets that are within 10 yards, like disrespectfully close, disrespectfully huge alphas, then I'm gonna take the minor gun all day, but usually that's not how it goes. So it was funny, whenever there'd be a hard stage, I'd win by like 15% over the production guys. Then you have three open targets at five yards. I take a minor gun any day. So the separation increases when the difficulty of the match increases, which is also another gripe I have with just open nationals in general, even though we're shooting the same power factor and everything, same, same scoring major. I want the match to be harder. You can separate yourself more in ability yeah. and also major and minor separation increases too. Um, they're kind of my thoughts on it, but. Well, that's pretty interesting because wanted... yeah, we spoke to, we spoke to mm -hmm. Caesar and he was like, well, you can shoot the close targets the same speed and yeah. get all alphas, but you can shoot the further targets faster and get all alphas. But 100%. you're saying with if, if the targets increase and the difficulty increases, then you're going to be sacrificing Charlie's and moving faster. 
Yeah. So like, yeah. So I, I agree with what Caesar said on that one is it basically if the targets are all close up, you're gonna shoot alphas anyway. So why would you keep them slow with the major gun? Uh, and then, and then, uh, so with the major gun, why would you do that? But when it gets further out, you can shoot it faster knowing that Charlie's not going to hurt you as much. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as the difficulty, what's the last thing you said there? You said also the change, what Caesar said yeah, was the last part. The, the furthest targets, you can shoot all alphas, but shoot them faster. But you don't necessarily shoot all alphas on further targets, which I just, you know, which is yep. my big yep. thing of. You don't always necessarily, on a 25, 30, 40 meter target or mm -hmm. yard target, you don't necessarily shoot fast alphas with a minor gun. Sometimes right. you do shoot a Charlie and basically... If I shoot a Charlie in the same splits with a major gun versus a minor gun, I then only lose one point as opposed to two. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt you as much. Yeah, now, now I got what you're saying the last thing. So as far as with the major gun, though, uh, like trading points for time, uh, you can do that better if there's more moves that you could do to really increase your score. Like yeah. if there's more spots for you to shoot out of position, which are going to increase how many Charlies you shoot. I mean, if you do it perfectly, maybe not, but uh, you have far more advantages of shooting in and out of position more aggressively with a major gun because if you drop a Charlie, it's going to hurt, but not as much as the minor gun. So you're going to shoot it faster with a major gun. That is, if there are opportunities that present itself to do that. But um, if it's just like a pretty much a standard stage with not many movement, like technical movement elements or places where you can really throttle up or down, then it's not really going to matter that much, especially when the targets are close. So with the style of your guys' matches, I think major is like the only way to go. I mean, some stages are, you're saying, oh, a minor gun would be fine here. But I would say most of the time at a challenging, difficult match, I would take a major gun. Yeah, that's my also thinking as well. Because if I wanted to have fun, yes, I'd take a minor gun because it yeah. is easy on the wrists and easy on the hands. Way nicer on the wrists, yeah. <laughs> way, way better. But if I wanted to win the match... I'd make sure I shot minor, uh, major, sorry. Major. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, if you don't have your right wrist locked, the major gun will absolutely abuse your wrist and it will hurt every time you shoot the gun. So I, I completely agree with that. Uh, but yeah, if you want to win the match, I, I think major is the best. I mean, I guess I haven't really seen a scenario besides this nationals, this, this low cat nationals where I was like, I wish I had a, a minor gun, but I've always wished I had a major gun. So uh, I think with the level of difficulty matches you guys shoot and the type of matches, I think major is 100% the way to go. Yeah, and you you see the guys that shoot major and uh, what was the last, uh, your last nationals? Uh, yeah. Not yeah. limited 10, that was the when limited. Mason Lane. Yeah, limited, yeah. the full limited one. Like Mason Lane didn't shoot a good match. Comparatively to Nils. Yeah, comparatively to Nils. Yeah. yeah, if Nils shot major, he would have won. But then, yeah. but I, I don't think you can make that straight up comparison of saying if Nils was shot major, he would have won because a gun would have been harder to shoot. But it seems pretty clear to me that if he shot a major gun and let's say he added one second to each stage, which I think it depends on what type of stage, how many rounds and stuff, but like a second, two seconds. I, I don't really think it's that much. I haven't really quantified it. So those are kind of estimates. But even if you did that, Mason or uh, uh, Nils would have won. So yeah, I mean, the major gun would have helped him. If Nils shot major at limited nationals, he would have won. I don't think there's many people disagreeing with that with how nil shot yeah and that's no disrespect to mason i think he's a great guy great shooter so i no, no, no. say things yeah especially when he or... broke his arm and still shot oh he's a beast for that he's an absolute beast for that <laughs> I, I have a lot of respect to the guy real good guy and good inspector so uh, by no means disrespect to him it's just if nil shot major he would have objectively done better in the match 
to, to beat Mason, I would say probably, but uh, he would have done better. That's that's for sure. He would have probably maybe not shot as fast, maybe at different considerations. But yeah, uh, but with like with a guy like Nils or like yourself, you know, I'm sure that the the major minor thing is is negligible. I mean, that's kind of like your guys. Yeah, job. I mean, I wouldn't say negligible. Like if I if I was like, okay, you're in a good, you're have a, have a stage here, and points don't matter, and major and minor scoring get the same points for it. I take the minor gun any day of the week. Well, because, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So like, it's not negligible difference. Like I think they're like shooting a nine gun versus a 40 gun. It'd be hard to quantify. Actually, it wouldn't be that hard to quantify. You set up an array and you shoot it back to back to back to back nine versus 40. I think you definitely shoot the nine gun faster uh, and more accurate, accurate mm. for that matter. Um, there's a lot of con- considerations to go on that, but basically a minor gun is significantly easier to shoot. I think, I mean, I even heard top pros basically saying minor versus major, you're going to shoot the gun the exact same. And it's like not necessarily true. Yeah. Uh, all of my big thing is it allows you to make the mistakes and allows you not to right. have them cost as much yeah outside of the actual technical guns performing you believe differently it's exactly what we talked about right allowing more mistakes aren't going to hurt as bad and allowing movement stuff that can increase your score yeah cool, cool. mike i know you got to tap out here pretty soon do you have anything yeah. you want to <laughs> ask christian before you go Oh, no, I'm, I'm actually, you guys are asking the right questions. I'm just listening. I'm trying to learn. That's all. <laughs> I like these questions. These are all really good. Very technical questions. I, I'll talk about anything, but uh, these are obviously a little more engaging than uh, the most. Uh, I really like yeah, bunch of nerds talking about match math. <laughs> yeah, that's actually why I started doing this podcast. Because every time I go on a podcast, it's like, oh, how did you get started? What are your plans? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I want to talk about, you know, the meat and potatoes, the real yep. training stuff. Let's get yep, into it. I love it. it. I like both, both are, you know, different, different audiences, different times for both. I, I like, a, a, you know, a little bit of both, but uh, this is great. I like the technical stuff and right in my alley. So. All right. So next question, let's yep. talk about 90% available points. So first of all, what do you do as far as what you want to see in your match shooting for available points? And can you explain the difference for our audience? Cause a lot of people are confused on this, the difference between shooting 90, say 90, percent available points versus 90 percent alphas 90 percent available points versus oh yeah so like match points versus then alphas on the stage yeah okay yeah so that's what you're saying right right okay yeah so basically obviously 90 percent of the points match points mean that i'm nine my scores are 90 percent of the hit factors all tallied up of on each stage tallied up against the match winner so like if i was at 100 percent and someone's at 90 percent they shot 90 percent of the points on the stage, it's kind of complicated, but like the hit factor on the stage, then ranked against each other, the percentage on that stage, and then the percentage of all of those uh, then goes into uh, match points. It's my match points versus uh, versus that. So as far as like in that, if you say, oh, I want to be 90% on a stage, that means I want to have my hit factor be 90% of what the stage, per, the, 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 mat, the stage winner has on that stage. Uh, it's kind of complicated. It kind of goes back and forth. Basically, if I shoot a 10 hit factor, uh, if I shoot a 10 hit factor, I'm hundred percent. Someone shoots a nine hit factor. They're then 90% of it. So uh, that, that math adds up, I believe. Uh, so basically I'm 90% of the score on that stage, as far as not 90% of the points on a stage, that's 90% of the points that are totaled up against how many points are outstanding 90% uh, like uh, target points on it. So uh, like if I had, well, I guess 10 targets and I shot nine alphas, that'd be 90% of the points. Um, yes. So the difference obviously between points on target versus the hit factor or the, uh, the actual 
points on the match or on the stage. But you can also be dropping a Charlie and still be shooting 90% of the points. It doesn't mean alphas oh, I mean, alpha just total, of points yeah, available. Yeah, yeah, points available. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm trying to trying to simplify it, but also trying to, I'm confusing myself by talking about, <laughs> talking about it. But, uh, but you know, yeah, yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, really, match math total. is hard. <laughs> match math is hard. Yeah. A really good stage will to be designed of, okay, I can shoot it really safe and get all alphas or I can get two seconds extra, you know, down on time and shoot a Charlie or a Delta here. And that that's basically how a good Ipsic stage is designed. You know, you look yeah, at that. There's some options with it. Yeah. I mean, as far yeah. as like when I, you know, create more or get more Charlies, I, I'd have a lower level of confirmation, but with a high level of confirmation and good physical fundamental supporting it and waiting till the sites are in the alpha or center the alpha, you can just, you know, stack on alphas uh, pretty easily. But as far as my strategy, I guess, in the match, uh, if I shoot 90 to 95% uh, uh, match points on the stage, so if I'm 90 to 95% of, you know, match points on the stage, so I shoot 90 to 95% of the, the, the stage winner consistently over all the stages, you're going to win, no doubt. If you shoot 90 95% stage points, uh, I got to be real careful now because you got both of them in yeah. there. <laughs> You know, stage points. I've never even really called it stage points before, but is he stage points? 90, 95% of the stage points possible percentage on that stage, you're going to win the match. Where people lose the match is having the big tanks, having the 60% on a stage. Then you lose a ton. Like, uh, let, let's say we had a 160 point course of fire. You multiply it by 0. 0.60, you get a 60, you get 96% of the 160 available. So uh, that would obviously not be very good. So you lose a ton of points that way. So having the 60s tank your score. But if you stay 90 to 95% on the stage, you're going to win, you know, win the match easily. So I never try to go for stage wins. I mean, as far as stage wins, people can sometimes really connect and get away with lucky things. Like not very frequently now, but I used to shoot a stage, like have a bunch of steel and just hammer them. And I'll be like, wow, I really didn't, you know, didn't really see much. I was obviously being successful because my eyes are focusing on the center of each target and the dot just came to what I was looking at. But there's a lot of times where, uh, I didn't really even know, know, know what happened. Uh, I had skills obviously supported that, but it's like, wow, well, I don't know if I could really do that again. So all about building consistency. In. Yeah. So I build consistency in with all my fundamentals and training, and then also in the match with the approach. So I'm never really going for a home run. Like sure. If I have five steel in front of me, I guarantee I could go ping, 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 ping. But in a match, I'm gonna have a higher level of confirmation and kind of know what that's going to look like for maximum uh, consistency and approach it, you know, as, as I see it also with like little close targets, it's really easy to really hammer them and shoot to alpha, but really not gaining much there. So for consistency, I'm gonna shoot nice two controlled alphas. And so uh, sometimes you got to reel yourself in and it kind of is a bummer because I want to go chase. I want to go chase the stage winner. And I think I could win all the stages, but I don't know if I could win all the stages consistently. So I go for consistency on all the stages. So what you're saying for an all steel stage, for example, you're going to hit a hundred percent of available points. Yes. But what you're looking at is I want at least 90% of the stage winner. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just for consistency. Uh, so that's kind of like my approach on all the stages, because if you take that, if you go, if you say, I want to get a hundred percent on every single stage, I want to win every stage, which means you're going to have the highest hit, hit factor on the stage. You are going to have problems. You cannot aggressively mm -hmm. go for that every stage without having misses, without having big problems. So yeah, so I, I like I like how I'm I'm saying it, and then you're just like just getting the the summary of it. I love this. This is good. So that's what I'm going <laughs> and that's for. where the the acceptable deviation comes in. Right. What amount of risk is acceptable? What is your acceptable deviation where 
you can push a little bit, but the wheels aren't going to fall off and you stay consistent. So you're staying within that 90%. You don't want to drop below the 90%, but you want to stay somewhere in 90 to 95. Now that yeah. brings me to another point. Mm -hmm. Anyone watching you shoot a stage, like you said, you see your mistakes and other people don't. And they're like, oh, right. that was so awesome. Definitely. So when they watch you, they think you're shooting every single stage at 100%. This is right. And yeah. people don't believe me when I say right. no. That yeah. was not their 100%. They're <laughs> dialing it back just a little bit to mitigate risk. Can right. you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, and one other note on the actual points, uh, like as far as points go, I think 95% of the points on a stage is, is really good. Sometimes you can go down, sometimes you go up. Like if all the targets are super close, you should shoot you know, pretty close to 100. And there's a mm -hmm. lot of far stuff or the hit factor, you know, could be up or down. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're going to go a little lower, but for the most part, average across a match, <laughs> a good match should be about 95%. But yeah, when that's I a very good fit, match. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a very good match. I mean, I think I, what I shoot that this year, I'm like 94 or something. I think I shot 95 at a couple area matches this year and maybe even nationals. I'm not sure, but uh, that just builds into another consistency thing is acceptable site picture, uh, acceptable zone on the targets and acceptable amount of points and everything. Um, but yeah, everyone always thinks I'm shooting at hundred percent on the stages, but I'm really not. So like a great example, of this is situational training. If I shot a stage, let's say in 10 seconds with four Charlies, uh, and then, uh, and then I shoot the stage up, up five. So really controlled, uh, I'll shoot it. And let's say that said that baseline test I shot in 10 seconds with four Charlies, I could do it a hundred times out of a hundred. Then, uh, then I say up or I'll say 98 times out of a hundred. Then when I'm up by five, really adding extra confirmation, I shoot in 11 seconds with two Charlies. I do that a hundred out of a hundred times. But then when you go down by five, and I don't know necessarily if quantifying this is the best thing to do, um, but when I'm down by five, let's say maybe you could do it 75 or 80% of the time. I think in a match, you have to have at least at least 90% uh, to really deploy it, but you'd have to be down by that. But mm -hmm. most of the times on the stages, I would say, and I'm putting a bunch of numbers that may you know, fluctuate up and down, but I would say 99.999% uh, of the time over the past three years, I have only deployed a tactic and kind of how I shoot the stage in a way that I could do. And I believe I could do hundred out of a hundred times. I really haven't pushed much when you're pushing your likelihood of success and repeatability is very low. You may be able to connect, but if you don't connect, you know, out of those a hundred times, it's that one of, one of the few times that you can't connect on it. That's when it's going to be a problem. So I always shoot with a high level of confirmation on steel. I do a lot of other little things on the stages to make sure I'm consistent and I can do it over and over and over again. But it's when I get cornered in a place where I'm down by points where you really see what I can potentially do uh, and maybe with a lower, uh, you know, probability of success. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, I oh, so you're to... not, yeah, you're not going full on, okay, I'm behind, you know, yeah. so much. I need to push. You're not actually yeah. pushing. You're just like, well, how do I get 90 to 95% of the points and you're deploying that? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I, and I, the first thing to go is not uh, my points. Like my, the first thing to go is my aggressiveness on the stage, my movement shooting earlier, right. Minimizing the dead time. And so it's like actually kind of funny because uh, on the first day of nationals this year, uh, my other competitors had really good days. They shot real well, or at least a few of them did. They shot really well. And on the mm -hmm. first stage, I just like, like I was locked in, ready to go, and I slipped on the first stage, which is tough. And, and first off, just to start off, I make absolutely no excuses. What happens in the match happens in the match. That's just how it goes. And I'll never be one to lose and be like, oh, I lost because this, this, and this. Maybe I'll identify those things. But that's not why I lost. 
I should have shot faster, more accurately. That's enough said, right? So I'm not, I'm not a big guy with excuses at all, but um, just objectively going through the first stage slipped, wasn't very good. wasn't going well. And I, and I, and this is where I, I question the strategy. I mean, I guess the first stage aside, I went into the second stage. I had a kind of uncharacteristic miss. Which, that's a whole different story. It was just in the black by a little bit at a far target. Should have, should have shot a third, called it, just didn't shoot a third. That's a whole, whole different thing. But then I was at a point where like, hey, I'm down by 20, 20 points now. Do I push and catch up? Or do I kind of just play the same consistent, uh, you know, just game plan? But the problem was, is that the next stages, there weren't, really wasn't much to gain on them because the stages were very easy. So I was like, well, I don't really want to end this, the day down 20, but uh, you know, I really can't push. I can't push in a way that's going to be conducive to gaining points consistently. Uh, these are just easy targets, not a lot of movement things that you could really do better than others. Like not a huge section of shooting on the move, not a lot of positions where you really come so in. Like stand and shoot target. Like yeah, stand and was, shoot yeah kind of thing. it was kind of stand and shoot. But um, after stage two, it, was, it wasn't necessarily all stand and shoot, but like it was like pre-positional, like nothing crazy. And so I was like, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see, you know, very, very, uh, you know, controlled my shooting, call good alphas, I shot good points, but I'm going to be pretty aggressive with my movement as much as possible. But I wasn't going to go, as, or not as much as possible, but just increasing it ever so slightly. And so I shot pretty darn good and I didn't feel out of control at all. Just pushed ever so slightly. I would say ever so slightly enough where I could do it 100 out of 100 times but just kind of on it, a little pep in my step with my movement stuff, um, you know, transitioning, driving the gun hard, but shooting stuff was pretty much the exact same. And then able to just claw back, back to zero. I mean, I guess I was down by one point, but uh, you could say I'm <laughs> down, but I wouldn't say I'm down with one point and there's two more days to go. But I basically clawed back to net zero by just ever so slightly increasing it. I wouldn't even go as far as saying it was pushing, um, but uh, right. just kind of doing that, so. Yeah, it's the first day of, what a three-day match so yeah. you know other people are going to make mistakes and other people so are being consistent really well. yes yeah. so being consistent is so much more important than if you try and really push and reach that 100 percent line mistakes are going to happen again and yes. you're just going to dig yourself a hole exactly like if you on the first stage oh i'm down by 20 points for me it was the second second stage if, if that if i at that point said you know what I'm going to push to the max that I'm comfortable doing like that. I can, you know, I'm really going to push. I'm down by five. There was no spot where that would be conducive to good results consistently. So I didn't push that hard. I only pushed a little bit and nor would I push that hard at that stage in the match. Right. So, you know, where your hundred percent line is and you're just like, okay, well, I know where it is and I don't want to go too far to it, but I'm going to go a little bit, a little bit further yeah. than what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. I wish I could draw a diagram, but like if, if this is like super easy, <laughs> And like, this is my max hundred percent. Like I could push up to here and feel pretty comfortable. Once I get past there, okay, increasing risk, increasing risk. And then this zone here is kind of like, all right, this, the probability of success here is lowered. I still think though, that the probability for my success in that is high enough where I need to be deploying it more, but I haven't really been in a situation where I've needed it, which hasn't made me, you know, necessarily develop it as much as maybe I should have, but in the few times where I've pushed, I've been very successful every single time. So maybe, maybe I just haven't hit the bad probability yet. I think there's more factors that kind of play into it and how you're feeling, how locked in you are, how your fundamentals are. But I've been pleasantly surprised. And that's something one of, one of the things I'm going to develop this offseason is I think there's a lot more room in the tank, just visual interpretation of things, using the moves that I have. There's a lot more left in the tank without increasing risk. So I want to be getting closer to that. But I also know that I can increase the risk and do much better. So, well, another uh, thing, 
another interesting thing is, is as you train, you're talking about, this is my zone and I don't yeah. want to get too far over here, but as you keep training and getting more experience, this whole thing is going to move. Yes. Yes. That's a good point right there. Yeah. That's a great point. Basically like right now, uh, like so I'm shooting, shooting with a guy uh, who's in Indonesia and right now when I have, let's say I could shoot a stage in 10 seconds and he's shooting in 15 seconds and let's say hundred 10 seconds maxed out for me and 15 seconds is maxed out for him. And I say, go faster. And he says, Christian, I, I can't go any faster. This is maxed <laughs> out. I feel like I'm you know, falling over. I feel like I'm shooting misses at this point. That's because how fast his eyes can interpret the information and how, where his level are with all of his fundamentals. He's maxed out at that. But as he unlocks a new level of fundamentals, unlocks, uh, you know, uh, visual interpretation of things his like, like you said, that's going to move over and his, his kind of scale is going to move, you know, higher and higher. And so they got to unlock that a little bit. So you personally have a really, really fast processing speed. You have very fast visual processing and mental processing. So when you push till the wheels fall off, when you push and practice till you're making mistakes, mm-hmm. that's actually using more of that processing speed you have available to you and training yourself to do it. So you can yeah. move your performance level up. I like that. Yeah, that, that's, that's spot on. That's exactly what you're doing. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, most of my mistakes have come when I try to dial it down rather than dialing it up. So we're definitely focusing a little more on dialing it up in practice and then being able to deploy the match, but just mainly a practice development now. So I, I like that. That's right on. It, okay, so you said something interesting. Dialing it down, you make more mistakes. Yep. What do you mean by that? So like, it's, it's actually ridiculous. And I, it's, it's been so frustrating because like, I'll be up by 60 points with four stages left. And I'm like, yeah. And this is before, here's the thing. I keep unlocking new skills, learning more, developing more. So like, I'm gonna look at myself in six months from now. I'm gonna say the the Christian I was talking to you guys today is an idiot comparatively to. (laughs) That's so true. It it always happens. It always happens. Like obviously right now I have a you know high level knowledge of stuff, but in six months from now I'm gonna know even more. And then I'm you know uh, I haven't really recanted anything I've said that I thought was like necessarily that crazy or anything like that. Uh, But uh, yeah, as far as dialing it back, I make more mistakes. Like I was up by sixty points, twenty twenty nationals. And I just got super conscious, just trying to make sure I, you know, shooting three if I needed it, making sure I had, you know, higher levels confirmation or uh, not, not necessarily even that, just like being real controlled. And I just was moving slow through the stage, throwing extras. And I'd have like three alphas touching each other, which is just silly. And uh, so whenever I try to dial it back, I get more conscious and you're thinking, and that's not the best optimal you is being very conscious. And so I've actually done better pushing than I have being more controlled. So um just interesting how that works. So one of the things I did is instead of trying to win the match and say, going into day three, I'm up by 60 points or 40 points. I'm saying, nope, today I'm up by zero points. Obviously in the back of my mind, I'm not going to say, Hey, let's take one pass in the swinger. I'm gonna take two. Right. But in the day you're trying to win it and it stay, you stay more in it. And that helped a lot this year, but, uh, I like that. So yeah, the instant, the instant you have that conscious thought, it's impossible for you to get into the zone. Mm-hmm. it's like we talked about this before on previous podcasts when you're shooting a stage and you hit that tiny far steel and go holy crap i just hit it mm-hmm. then you just had a conscious thought and now right. everything else falls apart you miss your reload you're throwing mics totally it's a mess it is you a mess. cannot have conscious thought yeah you cannot have conscious thoughts i think the subconsciousness is also a range like 
uh, I guess people today like to use the word spectrum, I guess. Uh, but like, it's a range of like how subconscious you are. Like on most stages, I probably seem like a medium level of subconsciousness, but like the stages you really connect. And that's probably more of a high level of uh, high uh, subconsciousness on a stage. But I've started really to think about, hey, what did I do on the stages where I was just so locked in and trying to take those things and apply them to all the different stages. So the same, and that happens when you have the same process, you can consistently do, you know, subconscious thinking on stages.